Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I want to start this morning with a story. Um, It's a story, I think it's true, but you know how stories go. These are like legendary stories. Uh, If you uh, remember from history class in school, when you were back in school, there was a man by the name of Ulysses S. Grant. He was a soldier for the uh, Union Army. He became a general in the Union Army. He later became a president of the United States. And there's a story about him going on a world tour after his second term as president. And he went to Scotland. That's where his family was from. And so he went to Scotland. And while he's there, uh, the Scottish man is brought to demonstrate this new sport called golf. And this is in the 1800s when when this happened. And so there's this sport called golf. He's never seen this sport. And so this Scottish man comes out and he's got his, his tee. He puts the white ball on the tee. He gets his club. And the problem is that this guy is a novice golfer. He's not very good. And so President Grant is standing just a few feet away and this golfer, you know, he pulls the club back and he gives it a mighty swing, misses. And he hits the ground, dirt flies everywhere, all over the iconic beard of President Grant, right? All up in his face. And the guy's embarrassed. He misses the ball and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and he, he lines up again and he pulls that club back and he's like, I've got to hit it this time. He swings hard. He misses again. He hits the ground, huge divot in the ground. The ball is still on the tee. He does this four more times, a total of six times. And President Grant stops him and he says, I see there's great exercise in this sport, but I don't understand the purpose of the white ball. (laughs) Finally, the Scottish man connected and he got one out there and he was like, okay, now I understand. But I want to use that just as a picture as we start. Because I think in life, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of motion. And and what happens is we're swinging so hard and a lot of times we miss the purpose of our lives. I don't know if you've ever asked that question, like what is the purpose of of my life? What am I here for? Why has God brought me here? Why am I alive? Why is there breath in my lungs and blood in my veins? Why did I wake up today? Maybe you've been through an illness or or a near-death experience and you're still alive and you're like, why? What's my purpose? I want to talk about our purpose as we get ready to send our kids back to school as our community kicks into gear here And to do that, I want to look at some famous words from Matthew 5. If you want to start turning to Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples here. He's pulled his disciples up on this this hill 
And he's going to speak to them. So that's his audience. Just keep that in mind. He's talking to his followers. And he's going he's to give us some words that you've probably heard a million times. But I want us to look at it with some fresh eyes today. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13, the words of Jesus. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus pulls his disciples up on this hill. He's speaking to them, and he's giving them this sermon. Right before this is the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes through all the Beatitudes, and he gets to this part, and he says, look, here's the deal. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. See, as we talk about our purpose, what we're here for. And, and here's the deal. If you're someone who's, who's working hard and you're swinging at life and you're missing your purpose, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy for us to miss our purpose. And Jesus gives these disciples a word of identity and a word of purpose. And what he's talking about are two elements, salt and light. And here's, here's where I'm going this morning. The, the main point, point one, is that God has given you influence. God has given you influence. He says to them, you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. These are elements that, that would bring influence to whatever they touched, and that's you. It's his disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the word of the Lord to you today. You are the salt. You are the light. God has given you influence. Now, when you think of salt and when I think of salt, I think of like sitting down at the dinner table, right? And I see the salt and, and I like to put salt on all kinds of stuff, my french fries, my, you know, whatever. I love salt. And we think about salt in that way, and we could talk about salt in that way and, and all the great properties, how it enhances the flavor of things, right? We could talk about salt, how it preserves, how they would use salt to, to cure meats in this time. They didn't have a refrigerator like we do, and so they would, they would put salt on things and, and they would preserve we could talk about the purifying quality of salt that, um, you know, like when you get something in your eyes and you don't just drip like just plain water in your eyes, you get what saline drops, right? The salt water drops and it cleanses salt as a cleansing agent. But see, as Westerners, we don't see this or hear this the way that these guys would have heard it. We hear it as Americans living in 2019 and these guys lived in an agrarian society, 
right, where, where people grew stuff and, and watched animals, and this was a normal part of their life. And so I, I want to look at maybe just a little twist, a little something different that I learned this week about what it means to be the salt, the influence of the earth. Now, in Luke 14, Luke kind of, he, he repeats this same story, and he says this, that Jesus said, it isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. Like if salt were to lose its saltiness, it isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. So wait, wait, salt for the soil? Salt for the manure pile? Like what could that mean? Well, I I started doing some research this week and I found an article from a journal from 1962 and it's called the the Biblical Archaeologist, a, a man by the name of Eugene Dietrich. And he was the head of soils department at West Virginia University. And what he said is this, what, what we miss as modern readers is that salt was used as a fertilizer. So, so think about that. Jesus says to you, you are the miracle grow of the earth, right? You are the weed and feed of the earth. That's what he's saying. You are the salt of the earth. It was like fertilizer. And this word salt of the earth would be like literally salt from the earth. They would mine it out of the earth. It would be like rock salt. And so these disciples are hearing these terms, salt of the earth. And they're thinking like rock salt that comes out of the ground. And, and, and what they would do is they would put salt on their fields and it would make everything begin to flourish. See, you have influence. You are the salt of the earth. You are the miracle grow and you are meant to make things flourish. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are filled with the spirit of God, if you, if you understand the, the grace, the gospel of Jesus, you are a person of influence that makes things flourish. This, this um, salt, it, we see it in modern day, I think it was in the, the 2010s, uh, in the Philippines, they put out a, a guide for coconut farmers. I don't know about these things, but I, I read stuff online and I find it. So this was the Philippine Coconut Authority put out this guide and they said, here's the deal. You need to start putting salt on your crops because we've seen that they get 125% more yield out of, out of these coconut farms that are using salt. So to this very day, salt is like fertilizer, And so when he says, look, it's no longer fit for the soil, meaning it's it's lost its saltiness. It's not making things flourish anymore. He says it's not fit for the manure pile. Like, whoa, what's a manure pile and how am I involved in that? Well, here's here's what they would do. These guys had livestock, right? And they would would collect all that poo-poo and they would put it in a pile somewhere and then they would take that and they would put it out on the fields like fertilizer and and to keep that pile of poo-poo from getting all rotten and nasty, they would put salt on it. And the salt would cleanse and kind of preserve, make it better, so that when they would put it out there, it would actually work. It would do its job. 
See, we're, made to, we're meant, meant to make things flourish. I, I found this quote. It's an article from uh, Christianity Today. And um, it says this, talking about this very subject. It says, Jesus is calling us to something extraordinary and countercultural. If we are truly supposed to be salt in the agricultural sense, that means that we are supposed to get messy and go where nothing is growing right now. Instead of going where things are bright and new and exciting, we have a call to explore opportunities that will probably not make sense in the eyes of, quote unquote, normal people. To be the salt of the earth, to be the fertilizer, to be the ones that are, are, are thrown and spread out on the soil is to be this fertilizer that makes stuff flourish, which means that we have to go <clears throat> into places that are not flourishing right now. We go where it's messy. We go where it doesn't quite make sense because we are the salt of the earth, people of influence. You have been given influence. And you're like, no, Chris, nobody listens to me. My wife doesn't even listen to me. My, my husband doesn't even listen to me. Nobody listens to me because I don't have influence. Here's what sociologists have learned. Even the most introverted people will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. Even the most introverted people. Every single one of you has influence and God has given it to you for a purpose, for a reason. You're the salt of the earth. But there's this phrase here and it's like the, the part of us, it's like, ah, is that me? Because he says this. He says, if the salt should lose its taste. How can it be made salty? What's he talking about? Salt that loses its saltiness. Well, think about this. Salt that's mined out of the earth it is mixed. It's not pure. It's not like our table salt that's perfect NaCl, sodium chloride. It's not like that. This is salt that would be a mixed compound of, of other stuff. And, and salt is very soluble when you, when you run water through it like rainwater. That salt will come out of that compound and just leave something that looks a little bit like salt. But it's not salty anymore. It's lost the salt. And so what he's talking about is impurity when we're mixed like mixed up inside. You see, we become less salty. We lose our saltiness when, when we are mixing ourselves up with false beliefs that are not based on Christ, that are not based on the gospel of Jesus. We're, we're mixing ourselves up with sinful pursuits and habits that, that are not yielded to Christ. We become impure. Or when we mix ourselves up with the idolatry of anything other than Jesus. We become this mixed thing and we kind of look like salt, but we've lost our saltiness and we don't make things flourish. We lose our influence. 
this word. He says they're no longer good. That word good could be translated literally as power. You've lost the power of influence to make stuff flourish. What about light? He talks about light here. We, we see this in verses 14 and 15. I just want to look at this together. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. Um, this, I guess probably about three years ago now, uh, my wife and I bought a fixer-upper, and uh, boy, was it, it was broke, okay? We had to fix some things that were broke, and we lived through the fixer-upperness. We, we would knock out the floors, and there'd be dust flying all over our stuff, and our kids would be, like, running around in the dust. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing to our family, right? And we, we did this whole, like, thing, this whole process. And, and one of the things that, like, got me were the, the light fixtures, I don't know if you've ever had to like, you know, fix up something or if you've ever uh, designed a house with an architect, but there's, there's light fixtures are in certain places for certain reasons and they're expensive. And so you don't want to put a, a light fixture in a place that's not needed because it's expensive to run all that wire and to buy that, that, that fixture that goes in that place. Architects put them in very specific places for very specific reasons. You put a light where it's needed. And I want you to think about this, that the great architect, the designer, the, the one who has placed us where we are for a reason has placed you there as a light. You are the light my second point is this, if you're taking notes, that God has given you a place of influence, a very specific place. He's put you right where you are. You're like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Guess what? God put you right where you are, and you can shine as a stay-at-home mom. You're like, Chris, my workplace is dark. These dudes talk about all kinds of stuff. I don't like it. Guess what? You are the light in that dark place. God's put you there. The designer, the architect puts you in that place for a reason. He's given you a place of influence. Paul, when he was speaking to the people of Athens in Acts 17, 26, he, he, he said this. He says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, and get this, has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. What? God in his sovereignty, the master designer, the architect, puts you right here in Richmond, Rosenberg, Sugarland, wherever you live, and he puts you there for a reason that you would shine his light. He has placed you there. Then verse 16, he says this about the light. He says, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father 
in heaven. I just want to draw your attention to that word, others and they. Let it shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Who are the others that he's talking about? Who's the they? It's the world, right? It's the people that live around these disciples. He says, look, here's what I want you to do. You are the light of the world. You're gonna shine in a specific place and I have given you people to influence. That's my third point. God has given you people to influence. Um, the other night I was driving home uh, from Round Rock, that's where I grew up, and we get to like Bastrop, where Bucky's is, right? We all know Bucky's, right? That's like our, one of our favorite stops. We get to Bucky's and we look out the window and the moon was just massive, right? Beautiful, red, hanging real low, just gorgeous, and we're all just ooing and awing over the moon. And I was thinking how we're people who gather around lights. Have you ever done that? Like, everyone stop, check out the moon. Or, or hey, let's go look at Christmas lights, Christmas time. Or if, if you've ever been around dudes at a campfire and you put a campfire on, it's just like, we're like a moth to the flame. We all just sit there and we don't even have to talk. We just stare at the flame. And I don't know why it's so interesting, but it's just interesting. We just love fire and, and light and, and all that kind of stuff, right? We're people who gather around lights. And let me tell you, the light of Jesus is unlike any light that could ever shine from any, anything. And when you and I, when we live as the light of the world, people gather. Did you see that? Wow. Did you see how she responded to that? Did you see how he responded? I, I thought he was going to say this, but then he said that. And wow, there's something unique about the light of Jesus in you. You are the light of the world. He's given you people to influence. And here's the question. Who's the others in the they of your life? Who are your people? Is it your family? Is it your coworkers? Your friends? That person you keep seeing at the gym or the, the person you keep seeing um, as you go to the grocery store or the coffee shop. It's like, who are they? And how are you influencing them? What are you shining? Have you sought them out? Have you, have you shared with them about what Jesus has done inside of you? Have you, shown, have you shown the light of Jesus to those around you? Who are your people? Because when they see it, they will give glory to your Father in heaven. He's the only one worthy of that glory, and they will give it to him. So, you are a people of influence. You're meant to make things flourish. God has given you a place, a very specific place of influence. The master architect has put a light fixture in just the right spot. He's given you people to influence. 
Last night, I, uh, we were out kind of late. We, we went to Wimberley. We, I used to serve at a church in Wimberley. I have a great friend there who just celebrated his 40th birthday, right? That's a big deal. That's a big milestone. And, uh, and he's a friend that had a kidney transplant several years ago. And like, we didn't know if we would see a 40th birthday for my friend. And so this was awesome to be there and celebrate with him. So we made the three-hour drive. And we got there. And it was so cool sitting in this place with um, the pastor that took me in when I was just a, a peon college student, brought me under his wing, discipled me, let me serve in ways like this, the man who influenced me. And then seeing my friends, the people that influenced me and then I influenced them and then having other young men, this, this older pastor is, is handing the baton off to this young pastor and the young pastor came up to me. He's like, hey, I just want you to know that I really looked up to you when I was in college, that I saw things in you that influenced me. And I'm like, what? It was like this circle of influence, the one who influenced me, and then now I'm influencing someone else, and it's like this move of God is moving through influence. I want you to know you have influence. You really do. You may not think you do, but you do. And I want you to, to receive that, to walk in that, and to begin to use it. And here's the thing. The only way that we can be influencers is if we have allowed the very grace of Jesus to influence us. I, I want you to know God just absolutely adores you. He loves you. And the reason we know he loves you is that he gave his son to die for you. So that all the stuff of your life, all the bad stuff, all the, all the sin, all the things that we've done would go on to Jesus so that he would die that death in your place. And so that you could be forgiven, that God could look into you and say, I absolutely forgive you. If you did nothing else, I can forgive you right now by simply believing, putting trust in my son, Jesus. That's it. It's the grace of God, and if that hasn't influenced you, let this be the morning where that gets down into your heart and into your soul. I wanna pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.